Paul, I mean, you're right to win the thing. That was... You know, that's forever now on iTunes for people to kind of ridicule it's you. It's early days, Uruguay can come no, back. No, the point is that they won it in the early days. That's the thing that you haven't quite got yet. They will not win it again. If they go out, I'm pleased. It means Suarez has a rest for the rest of the season and come back for Liverpool. Oh, yeah, because you're a Liverpool fan with the Wigan, with the Wigan season ticket. Uh, being from Surrey, obviously. Being from Surrey. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Well, I can hardly talk. Being a born and bred Englishman who supports an Italian team currently wearing an Argentina malia. Or shirt, as English people call it. Quarter-finalists, Argentina. They'll go out the quarter-finals. Uh, we'll go out when we play Germany. How about, how about, is that a fair compromise? When's that? Semi or final? Semi. Semi. Probably. Ah. Welcome, anyway, folks, to the 11th episode of uh, the Outside Centre Film Podcast. This is a World Cup special, just in case <laughs> you haven't taken the hints already. And we promise to deliver it in a less monotonous way. Then uh, some of the commentary you may have heard. Uh, unfair, some... unfair criticism. John... I loved Philip Neville. <laughs> That's true, I did. I was trying to be diplomatic, and then you just go and name-check the bloke. <laughs> no, I loved him. I thought he was cons- he was clear, and he was dispassionate, and he was critical in an articulate way, rather than the raving, jingoistic lunacy of so many of them. Oh, absolutely. But then again, I watched Ghana versus America and Robbie Savage was brilliant on it because he was a raving lunatic <laughs> in a raving lunatic match. And that is what you need sometimes. But I do, I'll take your point to an extent. Anyway, what's happening in this episode of the podcast? Well, we will be looking back at old football films, looking forward to new ones, which we'll be doing in a second, and also reviewing recent ones. Uh, more specifically, La Butro, which is an Argentinian-Italian uh, film, but how to referee. Uh, Les Seigneurs, and uh, Metagol, a.k.a. Underdogs, as it's going to be renamed when it comes over to this country in August. I'm going to name check a couple of those specifically that you that you yourself have seen and really, really, really like a lot. The old ones. Uh, the first thing I would say is is there's a lot more football films than, than you one imagines. Yeah. And I think that is very important, because you think to yourself, you know, oh, there isn't many. But if you actually look into it, there are loads and I think the ones I particularly like are different kinds of things. My favourite is The Miracle of Bern, 1950, it's 2003, and it's about the 1954 German World Cup winners, which included an armless player. Disability a, film. I knew it's, it's, that's it's, not why I watched it. Of course not. But actually, that is amazing that someone who had one arm won the World Cup for genuine. None of this inspirational drivel that so many things are about. Uh, you know, I've, there's a football film where there's a little lad and his calipers come off and he's all of great. And it's a, it's a serious film. It's just drivel. Another disability film. <laughs> but again, I, I don't look for these things. It just comes. But the miracle of burn is actually a magnificent film because I think it captures football very well, which few football films do. It captures the the reconstruction of Germany and the role football played in building identity in 1954. Plus, it's it's a well-made film. It's a cinematic film and it has everything going for it. And it's a cracking story. Subtitled in German, made by German, and I would recommend that. I would also recommend, if you really have no liking of cinema at all, to watch Goal 1, 2, 3. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're dreadful, aren't they? They, they, they are they, they truly are abysmal. But they've got facet. lots of celebrity cameos by big footballers. I think Goal 2 is actually Real Madrid, and Beckham's That's right. in it, and everything. That's right. Goal 3 never really came out and went straight to video. Is no, it, no is one has it, ever seen that. Isn't that when they go back to Newcastle for the <laughs> second time in the series? I, I, I get kind of confused. It's, it's, it's horrendous stuff. But, it, but it's dreadful. Uh, but they're actually so bad, they're quite funny. Yeah. It was so bad that uh, the main woman, Anna Friel, she was in uh, Goal 1, and it was so bad she refused to do 2 and 3. So you've got to give her credit for that. And she's not one who's known for discriminating in the film she made. So. <laughs> but... I think it's worth name-checking a few of them. Coupe Detect, which is a, a 1979 French film about sex and corruption and factory owners running a football team. Yesterday, My Hero. Now, Yesterday, My Hero is worth getting. Ian McShane well, yeah. and Adam Faith. And Ian McShane appears in a film that we're going to be talking about in a moment. And it's um, pop. A pop star and a football star. And they're, they're drinking and yeah. they're shagging. And, and it's just utterly surreal. There are other films like Escape to Victory. You don't need to say anything like that. You know, Sylvester Stallone and John Walk played for Liverpool. 
winning the World War World War Two. Fever pitch, I hate. I'm a Liverpool fan, so that's quite logical. When Saturday comes, Sean Bean is embarrassing. The match, Mean Machine, they're all pretty dreadful. I do like Mike Bass, England manager. And I'll mention that specifically because the sequel comes out next year. <laughs> There's no need for this. Which is called Mike Bassett, interim manager, who helps an, a, a foreign manager come back in. They're all full of cliches. They're all full of stereotypes. But Mike Bassett was quite funny. He, I think the best bit in it is there's two players in it. One's called Benson and one's called Hedges. Because he writes the team on a cigarette yeah. packet. And yeah. the woman writing down things, Ben. It's a nice joke. It's absolutely hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's funny. And so I think it's worth looking out for football films, particularly drama ones. Because they're, they're both awful and funny and ridiculous. And occasionally you'll see a gem. I mean, the Galileo Lives you're a fan of as well, aren't you? Yeah, that's about the 1950 USA victory over England in the World Cup. In Brazil, no less. Indeed. Uh, it stars Gerard Butler. <laughs> Can't have it all. But again, it's a nice film. It captures the era. It's a, it's a cinematic film. And I think a lot of the films you see aren't particularly cinematic. Uh, and I think that's true of perhaps one or two that we're going to be talking about in a minute. Les Seigneurs. Is, it's not cinematic. It's a nice story and it is what it is. But the look of it yeah. is quite lacking. I think those two films, The Miracle of Burn and The Game of Their Lives, which is an, uh, an American film, so it's in English, purely cinematic things and they're, they're wonderful to look at. Yeah, and we'll be looking back at some, some more old ones uh, at the end of this. But um, let's look forward to some ones that are coming out. Um, now, uh, there's, there's two, for me, that appeal to me for different reasons. First mm. of all, for A Fistful of Hairs... I don't know anything about Neither that. do I, apart from that it's about Il Pibe, Carlos Valderrama. And it's a comedy, and it's obviously set in Colombia, made by Colombians, funded by Colombian cinema. And is it a documentary? Or? It's a comedy. It's a comedy. As I've just said a second ago. Well, no, but that could be a documentary. <laughs> uh, no, it's a comedy. Otherwise I'd have said documentary. Um, <laughs> Some documentaries are funny. We reviewed one that was so painfully That's true. sweet. That's that was true. not funny. But uh, I, I literally, there is nothing about this film. It's, it's been released. Um, it was released at the back end of last year in South America. I would be surprised if we ever get to see it. Indeed. In any way, shape or one form. One will have to look hard and deep to find it. I would it. very much like to see this because I have seen the trailer for it. And I do recommend people check out uh, For a Fistful of Hairs on the... On, I, that won't come up on YouTube, unfortunately. You'll have to type in Carlos Valderrama film. And um, even then spell Valderrama correctly. So indeed, look at that. And indeed. Well, and you'll, it, get, you'll get Carlos playing on the golf course. That's and, what you'll get. And it's not in IMDb <laughs> at all. Carlos no, Valderrama. there's nothing on there. I, I was very disappointed. Because that's where you get all your knowledge from, of course. Not but, all um, of it. Because <laughs> well, Wikipedia feels the rest. <laughs> but um, the, the lead actor <laughs> looks fantastic as Carlos Valderrama. The hair is brilliant. The face is spot on. <laughs> So if anything else, you've got you've got a spitting image of Carlos Valderrama there. The one that we will be able to see, no doubt, is Grimsby. Now, this is where Sasha Baron Cohen plays a football hooligan, and he's a spy. And is, uh, uh, it, it, there's a there's a there's a double story. It's yeah. it's a it's a black cop from the black somebody from Black Ops, I should say. Black Ops. Yeah. Black Ops. Somebody from Black Ops and. Sasha Baron Cohen playing a football hooligan. It's called Grimsby. And, and we've mentioned him already, Ian McShane's in it. Ah. So that alone is enough for me to check. Because ah. where, where, where are you on um, SBC? I'm not. He, he goes too far sometimes, and I'm not really. Uh, he, not, I, he makes me laugh. He, so, he makes you laugh. Yeah. He, he does make you laugh, but he's not someone that I, I would queue around the block to see one of his films. I, w- I, I wouldn't queue, but I will watch his films in a way that I won't watch films he's in. So, for example, the Martin Scorsese one, Hugo. He was dreadfully. Was, was an abomination was, yeah. in, in every respect. It was. And so I, I would avoid watching him per se. But when it's his And he had disability in it. And he still didn't like uh, it. That must have bad it was. <laughs> but Grimsby, and he, he has promised that Grimsby will come out of this well. And it's all shot on location in Grimsby. And it's going to be fantastic. It will be. It, will it be has fun. got to be fantastic. Or at least fantastic in the bad way that makes it a good film, like like some of those we've reviewed recently, those a couple of those indie ones, you know. Absolutely, I totally agree. Um, there's also another one that I I had no idea about this one, Paul, until you you told me about it before we started, um, and this is extremely uh, relevant because um, it's regarding 
our beloved Sepp Blatter, isn't it? Indeed. It basically, it's almost a biopic of Sepp Blatter. And I, I presume FIFA have funded it. And it's about how the executives of FIFA saved football. <laughs> So it's not about footballers saying football. In election year, what a surprise this is coming Exactly. Out. And you've got Tim Roth as Sepp Blatter. Now, I think you need to picture Sepp Blatter and Tim Roth. As a young ginger. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's just utterly ridiculous. I've seen some trailers for it. Uh, it's coming out a bit later in the year. Again, I think you may have to search quite hard for this one because I think it's going to be so badly reviewed. Jules Rimmey. I, I, I think the cinemas will, will pack this in, though. I do. Well, I think they would. Jules Rimmey, which is what the name of the World Cup, played by Gerard Depardieu. That's better. It's just, <laughs> it sounds psychotic. It and does. I think we've got to review that. We will. One way or another. No doubt about it. Uh, and then also you've got Believe, which is True Tales of Matt Busby after he left Man United. Right. Helping some young people in Manchester. Uh, Brian Cox as, uh, as uh, Matt Busby. I think we'll probably give that a miss. It sounds like a, a worthy film. But United Passions and Grimsby, I think we will be reviewing that. And there's an awful lot on this list that we haven't talked about yet. There's oh. some that we've forgotten about, and we've talked about that before but at the end of the last podcast, yep. off air. Mm. Uh, and we're going to bring another couple of those when it comes to talking about it at the end of the podcast. So there are, as you say, lots and lots of football films. Absolutely. Uh, most of them aren't good, unfortunately. <laughs> For me, anyway. <laughs> Let's see how these three recent ones fare that I would, uh, I would wage that People will have to get creative when it comes to watching these because uh, I don't fancy any of these will be at the cinema anytime soon, Paul. Uh, I would agree. Except for the last one, which of course is getting a complete remake, which we'll talk about at the end. Indeed. Because that's last. We're going yep. to start off with uh, L'Arbitro. Paul, tell us about that one. L'Arbitro is set in Sardinia and it's about uh, a village football team who have a kind of enemy village nearby. And parallel to that is the story of a very ambitious Italian referee who wants to referee a European final. And his ego and his ambition is his downfall. And because of his downfall, he, he, the final conclusion of the deciding match in the league between the good village and the bad village, the good village are crap at football and, <laughs> and the bad village are good at football. And he then becomes the ref in that final game as a punishment for his downfall. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. I think it's got style. I think it is cinematic. I I like the fact that the actors in it were all very good. There's, there's a kind of Argentinian kind of uh, Italian character called uh, Mazzuzzi, great name, who's the kind of comeback from, from Argentina, who can actually play football. So he's the only good player in the bad team's team. I loved Miranda, the, the Italian Sardinian sex bomb that he falls in love with. And I like the referee, and actually I've seen the referee, Stefano Accorsi, in quite a lot of things. And I think some people listening may will have seen him in uh, Romano Criminale. Sorry, Romanzo Criminale. Absolutely, or even blame it on Fidel, which I know got quite a release in England, and as did The Sun's Room. The Sun's Room's quite old, and it's a really miserable suicide story. Sounds good to me. (laughs) But I, but I think the the key thing to say is it's all in black and white. It is, yeah. Uh, it is very cinematic. I think its only problem is that it's a first time director because he's playing with ideas and concepts a lot that sometimes you can see it's like he's got a new toy. Yeah, he's like an excited child behind the lens, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And and but that's not a problem because I think it makes him do things that you wouldn't normally see. It's full of Catholic biblical imagery. Well, the Last Supper for one. Absolutely. And that adds to it. And I I think a a kind of experienced director probably would have said, let's cut half of them out. But I thought that was really good. And it happens in possibly all of these films. They move into dance moves there's a couple of dance scenes in the arbitrage where he's in a hotel room the referee and he and then at the end it's a very balletic balletic, kind of experience and i i thought once would have been enough i think they did it twice in arbitrage and and it was a bit too much but it went very quickly and it's very funny it's a it's a dark comedy the manager of the the good village who are rubbish is blind yeah, and again, that tells you the kind of where you're coming from. For me, he's the funniest character. Yeah. He's, he's, he's very the manager's blind, and he comes on and tries to take a penalty at one point. 
<laughs> and and it, but it worked well. <laughs> Again, you made me watch this. You made me watch this. I did not. Uh, I, just on the disability. Disability, sadly, is virtually in every movie, which can usually ruin it. But it was a nice touch because actually it was about the people. It wasn't about the disability. No, of course not. And so I I really enjoyed this. Yeah, this is my second favourite film of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree it was beautifully shot. Um, but a part of me thinks, well, I can't remember the last time I saw a black and white film and it wasn't beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. I'm just automatically mesmerised by black and white movies. That's why I've got a whole load of Fritz Lang in my collection. That's why I didn't mind the artist nearly as much as you hated the thing. <laughs> Ah. I will put up with crap films if it's in black and white. There's no two ways about it. Except the artist. Yeah. Um, I thought the final match was fantastic. It was my favourite part of the film. And actually, if you compare the three matches that take part in this best. collection of films that we're going to review, yeah. including past ones and present ones, might I add that I think Labish Rabbit is the best match I've probably ever seen in uh, a football film. And with, with a murder. And that, yeah, and that's saying something because I'm about to talk a little bit about a scout to victory, not too much at the end, because yeah. that's my second. That was my favourite match up until I saw the match from Larbitro. Beautiful shot, as I said. I enjoyed the final match. Unfortunately, I didn't like the rest of it nearly as much as the match. I thought there was a lot of convoluted rubbish in the film. Actually, I thought a lot. There's a lot of little side stories that kind of took me away from what I wanted to see. Who was my favourite character? I know I said he was the funniest character, but my favourite character is actually the referee. Mm. I actually wanted much more of the referee. Bearing in mind the film was called this, I wanted to actually watch him make the mistakes in the match that he got demoted mm. from. Mm. I wanted to see all that, and he cut all of it out. I wanted to learn more about him. Yeah. I actually didn't care about the Sardinian teams as much as I enjoyed the blind manager. I mean, my favourite scene involves him, and the, the whole film is him not telling his daughter that she can't go to the cinema come toward the end of the film at reverses she doesn't want to go to the cinema and he tries to make her go to the cinema and it's exactly the same language that you've heard already the same phrases but reversed yep. as someone who's studying the language is an incredibly funny scene but that's pretty much the only scenes away from the referee scenes and away from the final match that I enjoyed I didn't care about the romance I, I, I could have done with that take that away it would have been saved another 15 minutes and it would have been <laughs> And I'm saying like Paul Dart talking about taking away minutes here. But yeah. honestly, I just wanted the ref and the match. I would agree that it would have been nice. To, I, there's budget restraints of there, course. I'm presuming, on why you didn't get the referee. I actually would have liked a mix of colour and black and white because I think you don't get that enough. And I think there were signs where you could have had that. And I would have liked, for example, a lot of the biblical references yeah. to have been a lot more colourful and had colour, much like the paintings. They could have been darker yeah. but colourful. And I think that would have been a nice touch. I I didn't mind the romance because it was very... Uh, it was like a brush, broad brushstroke. It wasn't in any depth. Mm. And it gave a bit of a logic to to the characters in it. So I thought it was it was quite nice. Uh, I, I, I literally would have taken out all of the religious stuff, all of the romance, and just focused on the ref uh, uh, and the and and, and then the Sardinian stuff. All right, I accept you can't just go from the referee to the final match. Of course you can't. That would be ridiculous. That'd be a short. You know, let's have the Sardinian stuff. Some of it, which was which was all right, and the standard of football was was actually quite believable. Mm. Um, so, and I, I certainly like the editing for the football. Mm. It looked far more convincing than the other two films we're going to talk about later on. I think it needed so, the religious stuff because, I, to me, that was the whole point of the film. Yeah, was that football course. is the new religion. Well, uh, and so, and I, I thought, bearing, was, in, bearing in mind, of course, it's Argentina and Italy that funded yeah. it, and all the rest of it. I, I, I get all that. Plus, but, if you're not religious, you won't get it. No, so yeah. I don't think it would have been much of a problem. Like the Last Supper, if you don't know what the Last Supper looks like, it just looks like they're having an odd Last that, Supper. That particular scene for me was was ridiculous. Well, it was a bit forced, yeah, and it should have been done a little bit better. But again, it was for people who perhaps weren't quite going to get it. Having seen a giant sculpture of the Last Supper in in, in the Milan Cemetery in the last month, I, I thought it was fantastic in this. Yeah. So, I would say it is my second favourite film. Oh, of the, week. I, I, the thing, maybe we're different people on this, but I gen, first and foremost for football films, I'm judging it just on the football. That's what I'm really because they, in a sense, I can't really treat these the same as normal films because it's about something that's deeply ingrained in my soul. Football. Now, I think if you take your girlfriend to this, she's got something to hook into. Yeah, she has. She doesn't like football. She has. Um, and, I, fact, and I think that's, that's worth adding that. Because, in fact, the romance is very brief. 
you know, you say cut it out, you'd probably end up cutting out about four minutes. Mm. Because it, but, the do but if you don't like it, it yeah. sticks out as being True. more than it but the is. But they do revisit it a few times. It's probably little blocks of four minutes here yeah. and there across the hour, the hour and a half. Um, yeah, I just, it could have been so much... I, I suppose what I'm, I'm after a film that didn't exist. That's what I'm... And you shouldn't really ever do that, but that, I can't help myself with this one. Whereas what we've got is an intellectual football film. It's not, very arty as well. No two ways about it. Absolutely. One of the artiest football films, surely, ever, in terms of the way it's made. Beautifully shot, as I've, as I've said. So, But at, at the end of all this, and what's most important, is that I think we'd both recommend it. Absolutely. I, I, I would say... But good luck finding it at the cinema. It's never going to come. <laughs> yes, you will have to be creative in how you get to watch this. But it, it, I, it's a difficult one, because I think what we've said about... Because he's a first-time feature director, he's added things that you wouldn't normally get that were good. But equally, you almost wish this had been his fourth or fifth film, because then he would have actually had a lot more sophistication and and even gravitas for himself to bring yes, these points forward. Yes, and much yeah. more discrimination yeah. on length, shortening scenes, and and actually thinking, well, I could pull that one out. So, it, it, I mean, if Von Tree had made Nymphomaniac first, yeah, that would be an abomination. How, Absolutely, who is this person doing this? Absolutely, challenging but, religion in such a way. Yeah. So this is a difficult yeah, one yeah. because I think he's got things in it that are that are in it because he's a first time director. But then if he'd been more experienced, some of that wouldn't have been in there. So, but I, I'd recommend it. And again, if, if you like football, and again you've never watched a subtitles film, this is the film to watch. Less than yours, Paul. Less than yours. Sorry, my crap French accent. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. It's probably better than mine. <laughs> Uh, basically, it's about a drunk, alcoholic ex-footballer who's gone on the skids. He was a TV pundit and he beats up a referee on television. And then the judge uh, says, you can't see your child uh, unless you do something for the community. And she suggests that he manages this non-entity team on an island off Brittany, which is a real island. Mullins. Yeah. And Mullins. so he goes there. And he then, what he does is, they their their cannery is going to close. They need money. They're in the FA Cup. They need to get a big get through the next two rounds to get a big game to make the money so that they can buy the cannery. So he gets a few of his old teammates who are football cliches, but again, quite nice. You know, the one who thinks he's political, the the nutcase, the the rebel, the drama queen. The Eric Cantona kind of character wants to be an actor. I, I enjoyed this. Yeah. You know, it's not a great film. <laughs> Say that again, Paul it, Dark. It was more <laughs> of a TV film, yeah. and it doesn't look cinematic. And I'm amazed, I, I agree completely, and I, I'm a, I've just seen what else this director's made. And well, I because am, I've just written it yeah, there, exactly. and it is amazing. I am gobsmacked. Absolutely. Please explain further. Absolutely. Well, it, the director is Olivia Dehan, who has made the abomination that everybody knows at the moment, Grace of Monaco. But he also did La Vie en Rose and Crimson Rivers too. Very cinematic. Stunning. La Vie en Rose particularly, pure cinema is best. And Grace of Monaco, by all accounts, is wonderful to look at. The stories <laughs> drivel, it's crap. Absolutely. But also My Own Love Song, which is a disability film with Rennie, well, Rennie Zellweger in a wheelchair with Forrest Whitaker as a blind man. Uh, but <laughs> I quite like the actors in this. I quite like Jose Garcia. I've seen him in quite a lot of comedies. I quite like Frank Dubosc. Seen him in a lot of aren't, these, aren't these French comedians a lot of these? Yes. Well, Gad Emler, who plays a kind of a nervous footballer, he is one of France's top stand-up comedians. I yeah. He's the equivalent of Eddie Izzard. Uh, but in reality, it's a TV film, which is very disappointing, given the location. An island and the sea, and you still don't make it look cinematic, no, no. is staggering. When you directed La Vie en Rose, Grace of Monaco, even Crimson Rivers, which is a kind of, uh, it's, a, it's a conspiracy theory kind of, you know, mountain thing. And it's very good to look at. It's just unbelievably tacky to look at. And you just think, wow, this director, I couldn't believe that that director did La Vie en Rose. It, I'm glad you told me now, because <laughs> if, if you'd have told me before, yeah. I, I really would be angry. Um <laughs> I thought this film was utter crap. <laughs> I'm sorry, Paul. You're I a thought, cynical old man before your time. I thought this was truly atrocious in every <laughs> single facet. For for one thing, and this is not actually uh, this is actually the nicest thing can, I can say about it. The reason I brought up the fact that all these are French comedians, 
this is for French people, this film. I am not French. <clears throat> I will never be French. And to an extent, I, 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 would, I would argue that the other two films are actually for their own people as well. Mm. This one has got... But this one is so bad. This one has no redeeming <clears throat> features for, 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 for anything. <laughs> like, the people aren't funny in it. The lines aren't sharp. Uh, well, the, the, it's bad writing, is what I'm trying to say. It is bad writing, but I think if if you, it helps if you like football, because I think you can see like does it? the Eric Cantona character. I when it's resorting to such stereotypes, and they appear in our last film, and to a certain extent, the first film, obviously, like all sort yeah. of film, football yeah. films do. You know, the stereotypes are so truly, truly well worn by now. So you can, you've got to at least make it funny with it like the ones we're going to talk about in a moment. But they weren't this time. They weren't funny. It's a cliché film from beginning to end where everything you expect to happen does. And and that's usually okay in a genre film, but where, you know, it's triumph, good over bad, you know, they succeed against all odds. There's a there's a slight twist at the end, but not particularly much. Happiness rules, everybody's saved from drug addiction, alcoholism, family divorce, all that kind of thing. And and it was dreadful. It's a it's a cut and said okay TV movie if you're in on a Saturday night, Sunday night. The thing I would say about it is that it does tap into recent French FA Cup history. Two teams. Racing Club Calais. Uh, yeah, but there was another one as well, and I can't remember who they are. But they did make the cup final as like fourth division teams and nearly won it. Uh, Wigan, in fact, then bought Calais star player, which was a bit depressing. Uh, <laughs> what more can you say? But and I think it taps into that, and again, it probably does help if you're French. Uh, the subtitles I had weren't particularly good, but they you didn't they didn't need to be good. You no. knew every line that was coming, and they reminded me a lot of some of the seventies British films when Saturday Comes, you know, and Yesterday's Hero. But because of who's in this film, this I, I can't even treat this as a serious film. It really is a vanity project <laughs> for me. It re- it's just. It's a perfect popcorn movie for French people, and none of that is me. I'm not a popcorn, and I'm not French, so I couldn't connect <laughs> with it. And you know, for, as a saving grace, how was the football match? It was an atrocious football match. I'm talking, of course, about the the, the main one, the one where it's building up to yep. against Big Olympic Marseille. Yeah. Now I'm very, very sorry, but you must have some, or at least one, real football in there, real footballer, not in not in the not in the crap team that you're supposed to support in the real thing. Or at least have them look like plausible footballers. Yes, you need to have a semblance of realism. That is, or no realism whatsoever. Yeah. So you can't have it where Marseille look like a proper football team, and then your other team look like fat fifty-year-old deadbeats, which is what they were supposed to be. But then the idea that they could get a draw or even compete but, was ridiculous. But the people in in Moulin's team, some most of those looked more like footballers. Then the Olympic Marseille. The Olympic Marseille teams were old, slow. <laughs> this is not Olympic Marseille. Olympic Marseille <laughs> should have been just younger yeah. actors, yeah. proper looking for that. Just a tro- like bad decisions. Why? Now I'm, I was half expecting you to tell me that the real Moulin team were actually Marseille as some sort of a clever twist by no. Olivier Dehan, but they no. weren't. So no. I'm, I'm even trying to give this guy a line, and he's not biting. He's not biting at all. If they, if they, if honestly, you were in a bad mood when if you watched they, it. If that would have happened, I could have accepted it, but he didn't. I cannot have Olympic Marseille looking less of a football team than Moulin. It's not happening. <laughs> this was truly the worst football film I've ever seen. <laughs> it I, was I, shit. no, no. no. <laughs> That's very harsh, but I but I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> I came to it in a I was in a good mood, a happy day. It's French. You like French I like French films, and I like all the people in it. I like Jose Garcia, and I like Frank Dutch, and I like Gad Emler, and so and I I had a very positive view towards <laughs> it, despite the fact that in reality they were all dreadful. Yeah, uh, even in the roles they were playing, it's kind of like. They were ridiculous and dreadful, and it was badly acted in every respect. But it added to its charm. But but Dude, but, but everything you say is true. Is absolutely, let's true. move on to our it's absolutely true. And I cannot defend it. That's not recommended then. Well, I'd recommend you would because you're you know so you're a sod basically. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a good mood. Indeed. Uh, final. Final. Let's move on to Metagol. 
um, aka the underdogs when it arrives in August. And it, it and it's worth saying, um, this is the most expensive Argentinian and most expensive Latin American film in history. It's worth saying that if every Argentinian saw this film twice, it wouldn't get close to making its money back. That's what we're talking about. $21 million, I mm-hmm. think, it costs to make this. Mm-hmm. And even that is a fraction of what Pixar make. Uh, well, they make a minimum of $100 million it, it takes them to make any of their films. Just sort of bring that in as we, uh, as we, before going to it. Anyway, the, uh, Metagol. Um, directed by Juan Jose Campanella, which I'm going to talk about in a bit as well, because I'm a huge fan of him, as I've said, even though most of his films are. A little bit like this one. Great in places, but uh, disappointing in others. This follows the story of Amadeo, who is a local uh, football fanatic. Because this is actually a film about football, not football, i.e. table football. Mm-hmm. Um, with a story of his youth when he assembled a team of players to take on his rival, Grosso, who threatened to close the local town and turn it into his own paradise. He also enables the help of his very own football team from the table, his football team, who come to life magically to assist him... Through a tear. Through a tear to assist him in his goal. This is my film of the week. Um, Mostly, I must say, because of how beautifully it looked. I think you could say it's a story of mental illness, really. Because, in fact, although they come to life, they do really only come to life to him. Indeed. Uh, yeah. And it's only when he inspires his son to develop an equal degree and of also mental not, illness that well, he can see them. Having the mental age of an eight-year-old when yes. you're clearly 40. <laughs> um, but, yeah, what I, what the, I have to say, again, like Larvitra, clearly a different style, but I did think it was beautifully made. Considering the budget, now I've read that they've had to cut back on several details, such as hair, water, etc. But for me, this wipes the floor with Ratatouille, which is the nearest equivalent that I can compare it to visually. Now, the people, and indeed the football players from the table, have got fantastic detail on them. Mm-hmm. Brilliantly, really impressive detail. In fact, for me, it makes Ratatouille look like a steamboat willy. That is how great this film looks. Well done to them for making such a beautiful looking film. Also a beautifully sounding film. There's lots of good music. It's ve- the sound effects are very, very effective, very realistic. The crowd noise isn't that typical crowd noise that you hear when you see football films. I liked the match scene at the end, although, I'm gonna, as I'm going to say in a moment, should have got there sooner. Good versus more, bad. I'd had more of it. And that's a proper football match. It is that. actually a, a proper football match with real things. I love the fact, going back to the sounds, that they used a real-life commentator. And when the UK gets this film in August, they're going to have Jonathan Pearce do it. Are they? Indeed. Uh, the um, ramblings of a man with verbal diary. Quite. Um, I liked the football players as characters, more so than the real-life characters, I must say. Don't know whether you feel the same. I liked the, I liked the different use of stereotypes for the South American audience. For example, one of the football players is Carlos Valderrama. There's no two ways about it. Um, Absolutely. But for me, and we'll go into more detail after we heard what you said... A bit like his career, really. He's got one masterpiece, Juan Jose Campanella, and that's The Secret in Their Eyes, which I know you like as well. Mm-hmm. His other films, they are just too clumsy. Mm-hmm. And this is a very clumsy film. Again, a bit like Amber, it's a very clumsy film of the week. It wouldn't hold a candle to most of the other films of the week we've done. It took too long to get to the match. It was far too long. There's two elements to this story. First of all, it's assembling the football team, and then it's the match. The getting the football team together when the table gets taken away and destroyed, that goes on for seventy five percent of this film, and then and then it gets to the point where it's like, oh yeah, the match now. You don't see any kind of any sort of training, any sort of tactical things, any sort of anything like that, any character development outside of that really, and I find that utterly disappointing and quite bizarre. But we'll get into more of that later because I'm sure you're going to say something of uh, equal stature. How did, you, how did you get on with it? Anyway? No, I'm just going to ramble pointlessly. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It is my film of the week, which is quite interesting because actually the triumph of good over evil, it's pretty similar to the French film yeah. in, in its kind of narrative thrust. But Metagold does it so much better. I think the animation is cinematic. Yeah. I think it has a scope and a presence that really delivers. I was a bit disappointed in the fact that it doesn't really have anything Argentinian in it, in the sense that you can see, like a lot of animations made by non-American producers, 
there's an element of you've got to target it at an international market. Yes. And you're going to let them yeah. add their voices. So you don't add too much that identifies a particular country. So you're right, there are footballers who are kind of stereotypes of themselves, and Valdemar is one of them. But again, global names. I thought perhaps the main bad character was a bit Ronaldo-ish. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was a bit disappointing. I understand that. He was Ronaldo, actually, I'll give you that. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's the business Cristiano, of, oh, yeah, of making an animation that is, it is expensive. And you do, if you give an argument, <laughs> like you said, everyone goes and see it ten times, it's not going to make money. That's why he's done it. Because yeah. it's, it, uh, it's, it's took two years for it to get just distributed yeah. to the UK, for example. Absolutely. So, and I understand that. So you can see that every country in the world is going to do this with their own voices. Yeah. And it will work very well. But I would have liked, given what we like, Indeed. I would have liked a little bit of local character with it. Yeah. And, and, and you only realise that as you're watching it. Because I did thoroughly enjoy it. I liked everything about it. I liked the look of it. It wasn't too detailed no. that it tried to be realistic. But it wasn't shallow in its in its drawings and its its kind of 3d graphics whatever and that that worked very very well i liked the story it had a nice element it had a love story in it that, was, I, yeah. that i thought added to it quite nicely and again it's quite interesting if you broke down the narrative structure it is pretty much the same as the french film but the French film was crap, and, and this is very good. It goes along at a nice pace. I think it's very funny. There's some nice jokes, some nice visual elements. Uh, and again, it doesn't ever pretend to be realistic, which is, again, where Le Seigneur's falls down, because it has elements where they're trying to be realistic, and you should just go with the stupid and the ridiculous, which Metagol does, and it does it very well, so that you buy into that yeah. world, you, you, the suspension of disbelief. There is the the the, re, the point of, of this film is the fact that it is about football, table football. Now, this is the most interesting thing in the film for me, and it's what I salute them for. Second, secondly, above how beautiful they made the film on a small budget in comparison. I mean, bloody hell, most DreamWorks films look a lot worse than this, and they spend a shed load, as we know, mm. on graphics, but. That won't translate into other countries. The table football thing, it will translate to America, as in the USA, because they are still bonkers on football. They love it. I suppose in England the equivalent would be Sabutio, but that, in all honesty, has died out. So that's the thing that's going to be interesting to see. When they take this film out to people, how will people engage with table football? That's what, I, that's what I'll be interested to see. The voices I agree will help. But you cannot get away from the fact that 75% of this film is about table football. I, which, is, which is a good <coughs> thing and not a bad thing. It's a good thing and an interesting thing. Now, I'd like to, I'm gonna, it'd be interesting to see what countries do to make that work in their own cultures. Because mm. there is no table football in Africa. There is none in Asia. There's a little bit in Central Europe. There's I think very, there's a lot in Europe. I think I'm not sure a, about a lot. No, I think there's a lot in Europe. There's not much in England, Britain. But there's I, a lot in Germany. Yeah, and I think there's a lot in Eastern European. I think Slovakia and Croatia. A lot of those countries are really big into but it. But are Croatia and Slovakia going to have the money to get this film in? No. But I think they are, because they'll just dub it with their own voices and it'll go down very well. And I think they are football-crazy nations as well. Mm. So, And I think it will do quite well. I uh, think I think this will be limited to Western Europe, personally. Uh, probably. Probably. No, I think Eastern Europe as well. I think because there's a lot more kind of engagement with those kind of things it's funny because i don't i've played football and i like football and and i it's funny because i don't go to pubs because i don't drink so i don't because that's all about pool and those yeah. kind of things and you don't get that much but if you go to like arcades like when you go to the seaside most people have a go at this mm. but and it's but it's quite odd to kind of think is it big is it small they sell them in argos for example they sell Football tables, everything. And well, you're thinking, well, there's obviously a bit of engagement. But culturally, not. Yeah. I, I, uh, it's something we've gotten from somewhere else, but it's yeah. not ingrained in our society like it yeah. is in Argentina, like it is in Spanish-speaking countries generally. I'd agree, I'd agree. So that that's going to be interesting to see outside. No, but, I won't what, bang the table anymore. But um, <laughs> neither, neither will I. But um, I, think, um, I think it's a film that will work wherever it's seen because you do buy into this world of table football. Because the characters are so entertaining, believable, they look good, and they will—you will associate f some footballers with these figures. 
you will. Mm. And if not table football, then we've we've all done something similar with fantasy football. Yep. Be it pools or be it football manager, computer games or something like that. We have all done something to affect with fantasy and football. Well, and I think if you're my age as opposed to your age, I grew up on Sabutio and I love Sabutio. And I think anyone who's 40, 50, 60, watch this with your grandchildren and you will really appreciate it. I, and it's a fun for all ages, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, clearly, the kids will be enchanted by how these things come to, comes to life. In fact, I was as well. Even though I was a bit, oh, no, so was even I. though I was a bit surprised. The I way it almost happens. had a tear in me eye yeah. at one point. So. Well, that would have set a few wooden things alive. Absolutely, <laughs> watch the film for the rest of that. <laughs> but um, the adults will—I think the adults will enjoy the feeling of not quite growing up. Yep, holding on to the yep. holding on to youth. I mean, for example, even even the bar itself, where the football table was originally held, that stays. It manages to hang on. We all have we all have our favourite place like that. I so. think there was a bit where it lulled in the middle because I started. I think, totally agree. I started thinking about the plot, and if you think about the plot, it unravels. So well, they well, have this game to save the village, they do. but then the village is where they build the football stadium that they play the game in, in the square. So yeah. they've destroyed the village to build the stadium to save the yeah. village. And, and, then thinking, got, and, then, and then actually, but, but, it, it, the, the ending, well, we're not going to talk about anything about the ending, but the main one I'm not bothered with the match is what the ending yes. is. So it's like, well, oh, well, that was just lovely. And indeed, but it's curious that the love thing ended in the middle. Now, of course, it had the, the love story that you mentioned, of course it had to end in the middle. Yeah. It had to. Yeah. Because the film isn't about a love story, it's about the football team. But, obviously, we've all seen so many films with a love story at the end. That's what kind of blew... It's like, what are you doing, Wham? Yeah. Like, why not, why have the love story at all, to be honest? It, 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 it did something completely different on one hand with the football, but then it resorted straight back mm. to, to type with a love story. I, I was very intrigued that this Juan Jose Campanella is the director-producer of a new American television series called... Halton Catch Fire. He is, yeah. Which is about the development of some kind of computer. He's also done episodes of House. Yeah. So he's, he's, done, he, he's in bed with Hollywood. And I was quite surprised, and I presume he goes between the two countries quite a lot and probably does the American stuff for the money and then goes back and does his arty kind of stuff like this. But And that surprised me. But actually, I, I've watched Halton Catch Fire and I quite like it. It's got quite a pace to it, given the subject. And I thought that came across in Metacar. I thought he had a nice understanding of, of, of pace. Uh, the speed, the narrative, uh, and equally that sometimes you've just got to drop narrative reality and just go with the story. Yeah, that he he <laughs> he has the habit of doing that. Yeah, he he held. I would it, imagine in a really serious film, it would drive you insane. He held it together for a second in their eyes, just yeah. although he did get very close with a few flashbacks to to ruining the whole thing. Yeah. But he, it was borderline on the edge for that, and he managed to do it. <laughs> but now, normally. Normally, when we do films that we don't like, we say films that we do mm. instead. Mm. We've done that quite a few times recently. Don't watch that. Watch this. Don't watch Nobody's Daughter Haywon. Watch Pieta, for example. That was on the last episode. This time, because we've said how nice this film is, and we've said how nice a secret in our eyes is, people might be thinking, well, what else has he done? Not an awful lot that you can actually get your hands on. But one of them that you, you can if you want to spend a lot of money importing the DVD over from Spain is <laughs> Luna de Avellaneda. This is a truly abysmal film. (laughs) It's two and a half hours long, or two hours. It felt like two and a half hours. It's two hours long. And funnily enough, there's actually a bit of that in this. It's regarding a club that people are really attached to and they don't want it to close down. Now, this in this film there's obviously the bar where the football table is, the same people go and drink. The same people are there every day. That, them two people doing the crossword who were quite funny. They're there every day, etc. Um, Luna de Avellaneda is a is a youth club, or, or rather, it, it becomes a youth club. But it starts off as a place where you go dancing mm-hmm. and you match make mm-hmm. in the in the swinging seventies in Argentina, where tango yeah. takes place. Yeah, beautiful opening scene of this wonderful dance hall, and then it fades and all the people fade away, and you're left with a decrepit wall and the lights hanging off its. Off its um, wire and all the rest of it. Now, this during this film, you get taken on a journey mm-hmm. with um, Ricardo Darin, who appears in all Juan Jose Campanella films. Um, I'm not. I don't think, fully enough, he's actually a voice in this film. I don't think he is, which is quite curious. Um, but so you think, right? Go on a journey. Let's see if I can save this club. Save it. You know, all these people caring about it, political things about getting money from the mayor and all the rest of it. 
what they eventually learn is that the club needs to close. So you think, mm. okay, closure, right. You've tried your best, nice little you know, one hour, 15 minutes of you trying your best to keep this bloody thing open. Mm. You know, far too long, but you've tried. Now move on. The final scene in that film is when he sees, when Ricardo Darwin's character sees a piece of memorabilia that he took from the closed club into his garage. And he says, let's open a new club. And you just think, you have just spent two hours realising that you can't open a club to then end saying, let's open a new club. It's an abysmal film. But in a way, that's this film. Because, yes. Because it quite surprised it, it me it, at the yeah. end. Because actually, the young lad in it says, what happened to the village? And he sort of says, well, it doesn't really matter. No. Because they've all but moved t- on. And they all live <laughs> in a new town. Because the, the camera just built a new town. And it's, a, it's <laughs> like new streets and everything. And... I quite like that. Yeah. I think I would have been a bit annoyed by the film you describing. I promise you, don't watch this. <laughs> but it's quite nice because it is kind of like you, you can't hang on to the past too much. And, you know, progress happens and you've got to move on. And equally, often what you want to sort of save was often a bit shit. Yeah. So, for example, you know, the people who want to save all the old grand football stadiums, they are largely shit. They were unsafe. You couldn't watch a lot of the game, depending on what position. No disabled features. No, no disabled features whatsoever. And and actually, if you think about it, what you've got now is a lot better. And it's kind of like, be nostalgic, think about it in a positive way, but actually move on and start again. And that is actually what they do in Metagol, which actually made me think, oh, that's actually quite good, yeah. but I wasn't expecting it. Because no, he, no. he almost says to the kid, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't quite go that far, though, does he, as you say? Well, I think he says something that you that really did make me think, oh, because it's sort of undermined the whole, like you're saying, yeah. it sort of undermined the whole undermines film. your life that you've just wasted watching it. Yes. But, but, but in this sense, in a good way, <laughs> in Luna de Avalon, but, yeah, but it is kind of like, you, you haven't got to hang on to that old thing. You can move on and start again and have another club. So, And that that's... And I imagine if you are a South American where you are talking about nations that destroy themselves and rebuild themselves... On a regular basis. ...every 25 years. And I mean in the most bloody violent ways. In a way, you you need to be encouraged (laughs) to have that attitude. Quite. it works for this film. It works for this for this yeah. film a lot more than it does in in, yeah. in in Luna. So that's what we can say. But we recommend it. it's our film of the week. But the other thing I would say, and I think it's very important because we've and we've said this a lot recently. If you like subtitles film and you've got kids or young people who, who aren't interested in it, this is another good film. And I'm really pleased that we we are saying a lot. This is a good film to get young people into watching a subtitled film. And again, get them this as a subtitled film. Don't let them watch. The British language crappy one. Which is coming in August. It's going to be renamed um, The Underdogs. Yeah, with Rupert which, Grint. Which is odd because the, 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 team, the team aren't really regarded as underdogs. Mm. They're regarded as the heroes because they're trying to save the town. But they're not... I mean, they can play football. The, mm. the, 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 the rather amusing emo child, who's he's quite funny, he can play football. I love the emo child. He was very, very good. Um, I connected with him because I, I, I used to be one. Mm. But um, a lot of the characters can play a little bit of football. I so, love the way you use the word used to. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having none of that. But, um, but yeah, the voices in the new one. But his smile. He smiles at one but, point. Yeah. Which is just perfect. Indeed. And, you know, well, when, when, when it comes towards, right, we can finally do this, guys. Yeah. And it is cliche to a sense. Of course, all matches are. But and he smiles at what actually is people dying. Yeah. And you think that's actually quite nice because it's a nice touch. It's um, that but, sounds terrible, and uh, you know it's much. But the voices, the voices, the voices, the voices in the English one. This is why we're saying, by hook or by crook, get yourself yeah. Metagol rather than underdogs, because we've got Rupert Grint, we've got Anthony Head, and we've got everyone's favourite voice actor Peter Serafinovich. So. I can't see what on earth they're going to add because yeah. the whole point behind these characters is that they all do sound different. Yeah. All these, all these uh, football players, yeah. these guys. All right, you got a Brit, two Brits, <clears throat> three Brits. In a way, what I, can they do? Well, I think the problem when you often add British voices to animations, what it ruins it because what you bring to it 
is an identification of that voice in that person. Yeah. Rather than, if you, it's a voice you don't know, you actually engage in the film, rather than thinking, that's Rupert Grint, he was in Harry Potter, how like his character in Harry Potter is that? And you end up almost on a kind of tangential mental thought process that undermines your enjoyment of the film and the film, and that's why I'd say don't do it. And it's much better to listen to it in the Spanish, South American Spanish, the actors, you have no idea who they are. Correct. But you buy totally into the character. Yeah. And that's what these English voices will stop you doing. Absolutely. So metagol instead of underdogs is what we're saying. Yep. So that's our reviews done with. Before we finish, we're just going to have a look, we're going to have a look back at some more football films that yep. we haven't covered. There's some documentaries, some hooligan stuff we haven't talked about. But if you don't mind, Paul, I'd like to just whiz in very quickly. Um, Take your time. There's no. Me- no, there's no. Absolutely no. Rush. We're just wasting people's lives. Indeed. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> I just want to talk about very briefly the match in Escape to Victory because up mm. to up till up until um, the, the night that I watched L'Arbitre, it was my favourite match in any football film. It doesn't half stand up well, even though you have got these bloody American actors looking fat and podgy and doing really ridiculous performances in it. Mm. <laughs> when the crowd start, and Michael Caine and Michael Caine, when the crowd biggest fan, when the crowd start chanting and the red, white, and blue comes out, uh, it's brilliant, no. I think that it is brilliant, but the reason it's brilliant is because it was directed by John Huston, who had probably never seen a football match in his life. So he went... And that's why it works. He's thinking, how does the camera portray this in an exciting way? And that's its advantage. Whereas a lot of the films on our list that we've spoken about, you can tell these people love football. And that's their problem. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to recreate something rather than create yeah. something. Yeah. And when you try and recreate, it's off, off the very fact that you're using the word recreate, yeah. it's not as good as the creation. And I think that John Huston, not that he's a great director, because he is, but the fact that he'd probably never seen a football match in his life. Quite. And that that's a key thing. It is. And anything that has John Walk in it is uh, all right by me. Indeed, yes. Um, <laughs> quite. But, I mean, I, I personally could do with all the, do with with a lot less of the PIW stuff. Because the, but then again, that doesn't really matter because it all leads up, it's, it's all about the yeah. match and boy, does he do that match yeah. well. Uh, still one of the top, I, I'd say that's one of, still one of the top five matches in football films by a, by a, Uh, Along with the Miracle of Burn, and I think because you haven't seen that, have you? No, I'm seeing it. But and I I would say see that because the football in that is cracking. I'd probably probably say top three actually. Yeah, would you put that Burn and Larbitro as top three matches? Yeah, I think Larbitro was very, very good in a very different kind of way on what it was doing. Um, Allow me, if you may, briefly talk about Bendit like Beckham. Now this. (laughs) Well, now let me just say something because I think it's very interesting. I was looking at films, football films, thinking about football films. That never entered my head until you texted me. And, you know, about and, it. and then to me, that says all I need to say about and it. And the only reason <laughs> it's in my and the only reason it's in my head is because I had to study the fucking thing <laughs> at college for media studies. I had to watch it eight times, ten times, maybe even eleven or twelve. <laughs> To the point where I now would regard Gurinder Chadha's films as a piece of shit. <laughs> I, 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 I don't not, want you holding back. I will you. not watch anything she makes. It's that atrocious British Asian comedy mix that isn't funny anymore. Yeah. It used to be funny. Goodness gracious me, used to be reasonably amusing. It is not funny anymore. We have moved on from that. This is, is this is firmly a film of its time. It's you know. You've got when you've got an author, uh, you've got an orthodox Sikh who rebels against her family, and she t- she learns how to play football. Kira Knightley's in it, and she's looking even worse than she normally does. Albeit I still fancy her, but she's far too skinny in this film. That's saying something, you know. And then there's a there's bloody um, Jonathan Rhys Myers as the as the love interest, it's, <laughs> and the match. Let's skip straight ahead to the match because it's a complete crap film. The match. <laughs> Uh, uh, to be fair, okay. To be fair to the actresses, they actually got taught football, <laughs> and it's them actually kicking the curve. Yeah, but that's the, being a bit like taught lines to recite right. in some banal I'm, I'm not, way. I, I, we're not talking, you know, we're not talking arbitrary standard here. But they did at least learn how to curve to, to bend it like Beckham. They actually did. He went there and taught them how to do it for, track for hours. I'm surprised that uh, Kieran Knightley had the strength to kick a ball personally. Yeah, Look right. at that. <laughs> right, but um, yeah. she. Um, I, I think what's interesting. Is actually, it's not as old as you think it is. 
because like, it's actually dated. And though. again, because I exactly because yeah. to me it's as crap as a lot of as the a kind 70s of one. yeah. It's only it's only eleven years old, twelve Absolutely. years old, or even like the 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 early eighties, nineties was like when Saturday comes and those kind of things of fever, but which which are pretty crap in reality. And this is this is. This is up there with them. Uh, in, in, a, the, in rubbish. It's, it's just there isn't too much more I can say about it because the map. I mean, well, there is one thing before we move on to. Uh, you mentioned a couple of the hooligan films. Obviously, have made. I've probably made more of an impact, um, grossly. I would suggest mm. uh, cinematically and, uh, and otherwise controversy and stuff mm. than a lot of the others we've even talked about today. Uh, maybe except for um, except Vitry, but. Um, the, the match in this when she's taking the free kick that's going to win the match and her family appear on the goal line <laughs> to try and put her off. It, 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 it's in, just what, so British. It, it, it's so, it's too British. Yeah. And I, represent, I, I actually unfairly paint all British films with Govinda Chadha. I regard all British films to be as crap as what she makes. And it isn't like that because there are occasionally decent British films. Metro Manila, we need to talk about Kevin... End of list, mm. yeah, just those two. Um, Although Kira Knightley's right, in it, all right, four months, and, is all right. and that just means it's crap in my book. So <laughs> uh, I've I've never seen her in a good film. Enough of Benny Lai Beckham and I. That uh, you know that again was seminal because he got Hanson and Lineker doing all these little bits at the end, the Basement Jackson fucking stuff like that. Dreadful, <laughs> dreadful, dreadful film. <laughs> um, speaking of dreadful. There have been a couple of hooligan films, haven't there, Paul? Yeah, um, The Football Factory with Danny Dyer and Green Street Hooligan, which uh, inspired a, a sequel. Uh, sequel. Uh, yeah, it is uh, really quite an odd little film with Elijah Wood, the little, um, Mind you, the little can, munchkin out of Lord of the Rings. Considering that he's actually never done a good film. <laughs> oh, that's no, harsh. He, no, he's not. That's <laughs> harsh. I think he's an acquired taste and you've got to be in a good mood and rarely one is, so... Uh, I think hooligan fans, they have a they have a strength in that the football is a sideline yeah. and it is about the violence and violent films are quite a, a, an easy thing to make and quite an easy thing to enjoy. I think that makes them a lot more attractive and a lot of the films about football focus on football in a way that that again we've said they're by people who love football. Like I don't like the damn United. I didn't like the damn United at all. Well, uh, if I wanted to see an impressionist, I'll just go see Aston McGowan. Exactly, I'm not interested in Martin exactly. Sheen. Although I do like Martin Sheen. No, I don't. Michael, but, Sheen, uh, Michael Sheen. But I think I, if you know and you love football, I think it does. They, I think it's, again, it's a problem football where football films have. Football is by and large crap, with moments of brilliance. Yeah. If you go to a ninety-minute football match, two-two, say. That's four seconds of good stuff. Literally, four, it only takes a second to call a goal. The rest of it is people wandering about a green area, kicking around, yeah. thing or another. So, and that, so an essence of football is actually that it's dreadful. Yeah. But it's the moments of the other bits that are few and far between that make you love it. And film really captures that. And I think that that's 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 an interesting point I've just come up with, and I'm proud of myself for that one. Good for you. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'll take. I mean, very very quickly. There's also some documentaries. There's 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 a, as he done one where he was followed around with cameras on the pitch. Yeah. Very poetic and. Uh, well, I call it a coffee table film because it is like a coffee table book. Just happens to be a film. Yeah. There's a Maradona thing as well. Um, but what I want to talk about as well. Again, this is. This unfortunately isn't available and hasn't been available for us to for us to do yet. But next goal wins. Now they, they, this was interesting because they spoke to I, I believe it was not World Football Service somebody, maybe even the World Football Phone on BBC Five Live. I believe they spoke to the 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 man mm. who had, who went over to America and somehow to make them better. Mm. I believe a British person. Yeah, usually it's British. And he managed a couple of other smaller teams, even smaller than than Samoa. Yeah. And then Samoa was the big thing, and he did something quite good with with um, Samoa. Next goal wins. Is that that's a, it's about that, isn't it? It's about it the Samoa national team. It is after they lost thirty six nil, the World Cup record to New Zealand or Australia. They decided to get someone in who perhaps knew a little bit more about football. I think they still get pretty much thrashed every game, but you know they are a competitive team now. And I think it, it's it's a 
from what I've heard, it's a cracking little documentary. And when it does come out, I think we'll probably do it. And I think it will come out because I think it's. Uh, I think it may even have a bit of BBC money in it. Oh well, in that so, case, we'll get it rammed down our throat. Indeed, won't we? indeed. But and I think it's worth pointing out because I've just got it up on the internet. There is a, a, a football film festival. Now you say this. I, I had no idea about this. And it's in London. Curious. Right. Well, where else is it going to be? It's come called on. Kicking and Screening. Uh, they call it Soccer Film Festival. Sounds like me when you try and make me watch a Pascal Rabatte film. But actually, uh, and it's only on for two days, this year it's July the 6th and July the 7th, and they usually have premieres of a lot of these films, often foreign language, often the documentaries. Uh, and the man behind it is Tom Watt, nice. who used to be in EastEnders, who is a big, big Arsenal fan, and he's written more books on football than anybody else in the last 20 years. And I do quite like Tom Watt. Uh, and I think his passion for football comes through. And so I, I think if you live in London, check this out. Look it up on its website, which is kickingandscreaming.com. Kicking and screening. And I'd say in your, you, if you love football films, you'll know what they all are long in advance of everybody else. You will. And I think we'll leave it there. Normal service, non-football fans will resume in a couple of weeks. Even though the World Cup will still be on, Paul, we will revert back to our pretentious... Bourgeois, bourgeois, drivelly, middle class, foreign language <laughs> film drivel. I can't wait. Look forward to that and more in a couple of weeks, folks. Thanks for downloading us. Kicking and screaming.